This episode is recorded in front of a live studio audience. You're listening to The Art of Comedy with Sandra Carusi on Peach Radio. Dean Young, host, comedian, actor, porn star. <laughs> Dean Young was born in Northern Ontario and raised on a steady diet of Wolf's Milk and Tim Hortons breakfast sandwiches. You're the best. Dean decided at a young age that money and success weren't important and left home to pursue a life in comedy instead of learning how to play hockey and do oil stuff in Alberta. That's hilarious. Dean's credits, very lengthy. North by Northeast, Stream Fest 2013, Comedy Bar's Best of 2014, Iceland Comedy Festival, and he even headlined in Honolulu... And uh, Dean's appeared on MTV Canada, the iChannel stand-up, no kidding. He's a main cast member on the comedy panel show, In My Humble Opinion, on Funny or Die. He's a regular guest on podcasts, rock radio network shows. Uh, Dean's angelic voice has been heard on Sirius XM's Canada Talks, Canada Laughs, Ward and Al, Humble and Fred, CBC Radio, and the Pod Almighty Network. He's the comedy editor for The Scene Magazine and Toronto is Awesome. He's the host of the cult weekly comedy, successful kitsch comedy, and live shows at Toronto's famous comedy bar in Tango Palace, and the host of Forever Young with Dean Young and Friends on Talk Hole, Canada's own comedy podcast network, which he also started. Welcome, Dean Young. Hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm so Cruiser. glad you're here, Can baby. I call you that? Or yeah. Nice. Secret love name that we have. That's uh, that's the first time I've ever actually heard that thing read out loud before. <laughs> Doesn't it sound amazing? Is it's it a, not impressive? It's, like, it's a big barf. And also, <laughs> the angelic voice part especially, I never, uh, <laughs> I've never heard that recited by anyone before. That's nice. This is a lot for a young fella. How old are you? Can I ask you? 31. 31? Yeah, 31. 31 in the fall. When did this madness? We know each other from radio. Yep. And, you know, I was kind of mentioning to you before, I'm a little hurt. You don't talk about your radio background. Why is that? Well, I do. I do a little bit. That's a weird thing, man, because, like, I've been in radio, you know, way before I started doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now because even after so many years in radio, like, I'm on more radio stations now because I'm a comic than I ever was <laughs> for writing for them for, for, like, a decade, you know? It's the craziest thing. So that's sort of the stuff I plug now. Yeah. But you have to leave it in order to. You leave and then come back, and it's kind. Of, it is always kind of cathartic, like coming back to stations where I left as a writer, and now I'm on there as a guest to plug mm-hmm. stuff or guest hosting or whatever. That's always cool. That's Who always like the Humble and Fred, for example? That's very cool. Humble and Fred is always a lot of fun. I was just there uh, this morning, or mm-hmm. when this airs, I was just there last week, yeah. or whenever, <laughs> whenever that is. <laughs> Two weeks ago, yeah. Two weeks ago, but yeah, th- those guys are a lot of fun because I mean, you know, those guys—they're radio veterans. They've been around mm-hmm. it for a long time. They've been fired, they've been promoted, they've been repackaged, they've been rebranded, they've sort of tried every format, and they have a huge following, obviously. It's, you know, they came by it honestly, it's been a long time, they've been at Mm -hmm. it for 25, 30 years, and so they get it. So when I go on there to plug, like, the podcast network and stuff like that, like, to get the feedback from those guys is huge. Mm -hmm. Because those guys were doing radio... When I was thinking Maybe. about starting college, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Before that even, for sure. I feel your frustration. You know, I identify with you because I've been in radio behind the scenes as well. Yeah. And, and you know, you you have this comedic background and it's like, why didn't you put me on air? And then sometimes you got to leave it in order to get, like, just like what you said, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel your frustration on, on social media because you want to show so bad and you want to do the radio thing. And you successfully started this this comedy network. Tell me about the network and um, I saw some of the shows are phenomenal. Uh, tell me more. Yeah, Talkhole just started. That's really the reason. Darren Frost, actually, a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, 
put it nicely. He he came in the studio and he said, "You did this because you were sick of just waiting for some morning show host to die." Which, <laughs> you know, which kind of well I don't want anyone to die. But yeah, it just it was twofold, I guess. Like it was born out of my own frustration of you know slogging it out in the radio business and thinking like, "Shit, man!" Like I'm here writing for these people all day, and then I'm leaving the office sometimes, and I'm going and like taping stuff on stand-up specials and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like put me on the air. So it was born out of that, and also it, it just sort of was based on like why doesn't Canada have like our own answer to you know Earwolf or Nerdist yes. or Feral or whatever. Yes. Sort of like when Comedy Network started, I always sort of use that example. Really, it was just because Canada wanted our own Comedy Central. That was really it, right? So I just thought, why don't we have this? And we mm-hmm. had all these podcasters and all these comics, and I had a studio I was already using, so I just thought, you know, strength in numbers, just get everybody under that banner and mm-hmm. do some live shows and do some podcasts, and it's just growing from there. Like, we just launched it at the end of 2014, October 2014, wow. I think was our launch. Yeah. That's it? That's oh, it. it seems like it's been on forever. No, so it, it, it's growing fast. Yeah. Like we have 15 shows on there now and there's new ones in development this summer and we're doing doing live recordings all summer and I'm heading to JFL in, in yes. July to try and snake my way in there for next year and just to go shake hands and plug and watch stuff and carve yourself a position. Yeah, and yeah. hopefully, you know, get some people on the mic and get some IDs and all that kind of that's where the radio part comes in handy, really. That's right. You know, because podcasting sort of began as this sort of do-it-yourself radio, right? Just people sitting well there said. in their basement and recording on whatever mic or whatever, their phone even, whatever they were doing. So now it's sort of taking all those disciplines of being in radio for years and just applying it to this and going, why can't we build this? What's the worst? Right. You know? So what's, out of all the shows, I know you don't want to pick a favorite, but what what is the most successful? I saw Date Fail, which I love. I love yeah. Her. Sex and Single Parent, maybe? That's a precious yeah. Chong of and course I, story. Yeah, of yeah, course yeah. I identify with that as a single parent, so it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So what? which one is the most successful right now? Which one are you, you know, it's hard to choose, oh, I know. Uh, one of the, uh, Date Fail is great too, because that was one of our first sort of, mm-hmm. you know, network original ones. Like I picked up a few podcasts that were on the same, uh, on an old network called Pod Almighty with me. So we picked up some of those and those were sort of our flagship okay. shows. I think we start off with six podcasts. So they were in existence? and They then were you, in existence okay. and we sort of brought them under that. Yep. And uh, So Date Fail was one of our first original ones with Amanda Day. And then uh, Rude Dudes is a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, those guys are a lot <laughs> of fun. Because I mean, they're, you know, I'm from Thunder Bay. These are just guys from like backwater Ontario. They're just all Canadian guys. They come in the studio with a case of beer every Sunday and prank phone one of the host's moms and tell her they're going to drink a drive home, which I'm not endorsing that anyone. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I the Sort of uh, one thing I wanted to make sure we did was I didn't, and I mentioned this on Humble and Fred too, I didn't want to have a podcast network full of 15 or 20 shows where it was stand-ups talking to stand-ups about stand-up, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, A, that's out there a million times, but also mm-hmm. we have that already covered on there. Mm-hmm. We wanted sort of the main vein running through it to be comedy, of course, but all of these shows are completely different yes. formats and completely different skews and completely different hosts. And most of the people are stand-ups or comedy writers for TV and stuff like that, but they all come from different walks of life. Some of them are radio people. Um so that was the beauty of it is just sort of getting to curate it and pool together all of these different shows and building new shows for these hosts. Which radio people? Because I love radio people. Actually, Garnet, who we both oh, work with. Garnet. Yeah, yeah. Is that's he, right. What's he doing? They're doing, he's doing one called Three Amivos, which we picked yes, up. Yes, his and, VO guys. Yes. Yeah, okay, got VO it. VO guys. So they, you know, they they talk about like doing voice work for animation yes. and radio stuff and things like that. Brilliant. And a couple of them, there's another show called Amazing Things mm-hmm. uh, that we picked up very early on, which 
this was a podcast that had existed for a couple of years. Um, these were all people who were doing podcasting before, so we picked them up. And yeah, it's just they're all completely different formats. That's mm -hmm. what I love about it. Like when we're in the studio, I go in and record my show with my guests, and then I just sort of get to kick back and watch everything happen. It's like a re weird Robert Altman movie where there's like all these people coming through the studio, like actors and musicians yeah. and comics. And so it's fun? a lot of fun. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool to sit there and go like, oh, this is actually a real thing now. You know, we built this. This is crazy. Are you going to make it an app? Yeah. Yeah. We do want to do that. There's uh, some people we're talking to about that. And we're, we're actually working on like a huge overhaul of the site too, just to make it sort of more mobile friendly and, and just sort of now that we're going after bigger sponsors and now that we have... X amount of shows coming on board. And now that we're doing more live shows, the website that we launched was sort of like our launch version, but now we're completely retooling it because it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, which is, you know, a good problem to have. I, sure. I, I, I'm so impressed because I, I have Earwolf and I have LOL, which is another app. Yeah. Um, and like you said, like it's all comics, interviewing comics and, and um, you know, it's hard. Even what I try to do here is kind of take a different angle, right? Yeah. Because, you, you know, I don't have marquee value, you know, and some of those do. And so, you know, I love Bill Burr, of course, like I could listen to him all day, yeah. but, and then there's some others who don't have the marquee value, but I, the angle you're taking is great. It's so entertaining. Um, everybody's got a different take, like you said. And, um, and so that's your ultimate vision, get it an app. And what, what do you ultimately uh, want to come of the network? Uh, well, for me, the the reason I sort of started all this stuff was because in Canada, the comics who might be household names to me and you even, because, mm -hmm. you know, we're comedy fans, to most Canadians, they don't know who they are. There's like a select maybe dozen people who are on CBC sitcoms yeah. and stuff like that where most Canadians know who they are. Mm -hmm. So the uphill battle for us in comedy in Canada is always just trying to get our own audiences to watch and our own audiences to listen because yeah. you have the states right there, mm -hmm. right? And you have all that content right there. So for me, I'd be in my happy place if I can just get Canadians listening to this mm -hmm. and knowing who these comics are because mm -hmm. I think they deserve to be in that spotlight. Mm -hmm. If we could pay our bills off of that, that'd be great. I have, you know, I I have no intention of ever going to the States. I wanted to set my roots up right here in Toronto and mm -hmm. build this thing here and make my home here. And if I could spend my life doing that, just, you know, producing and promoting and creating Canadian comedy and... Mm -hmm. look back on that and go, okay, I, I barely scraped by. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in debt forever, but if I can do that with my life and, and do that only, that'd be great. That's, that's what it's all about. You know what, dude, and this, take it as a big compliment as you should. Like, this is how Mark Breslin started. He yeah. saw a need. He saw, a, a, he had a purpose to promote comedy and have that time. And now you're taking it with new media and it's not even new anymore. It's mm. common and good for you and for the promotion of all comics. What's the website for Talkhole again? Uh, Talkhole.co. That's a new thing. Just CO. Really? Chop the M off of there. Yeah, I didn't even know that. To be honest with you, when we first started <laughs> doing the website, yeah. like one of my partners who's like yeah. the IT guru, when he first set up the website, I thought that was a typo. Yeah. Dot .co. And every time people were emailing us That's at first, hilarious. I was like, no, it's not CA. It's not com. It's dot .co. So it's, now it's just easier to say talkhole.co. Yeah. But it's true. Like, and I've said this before on shows, but the beauty of Canada is like, we'll never have that size of an audience, right? As the States, we'll never have that pool of money to go mm -hmm. after. It's just, it's just a fact. We're a mm -hmm. smaller entertainment business. We're a smaller country. But the uphill side of that, like the, I think the positive side of the coin is there's room here to build your own stuff. You can launch things here that didn't exist yet and you can sort of take risks and, 
you know, till you new soil do, and not in the U.S. You can't do that. You could, but I mean, we we get to build people. this here and say, hey, we're the only ones doing this. Yes. You know, whereas if it was in the states, like, yeah, no, there's 50 people doing this <laughs> just in New York or just in Chicago, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, here in Canada and here in Toronto, we get to actually sort of do this ourselves. That, that's the beauty of, and not to make it too Toronto centric, but even Toronto itself, it's like this is sort of like a bite-sized New York. Mm-hmm. You know, this yes. is a city where if you play your cards right and you sort of work with your friends and 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 work really hard and really just come out swinging and really hustle, you can make stuff happen and you can find yourself a good foothold. And what do you think? What are you finding the most interesting from doing that? With talking to other comics, yeah, um, just talking to and and a lot of these people I work with all the time, right? These are I see comics more than my own family or more <laughs> than my own non-comic friends at mm-hmm. this point, right? Like, right. You sort of comedy your your friends away a little bit. Like I still see my old college friends and stuff like that. But when you start off, they're around because it's a novelty, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is crazy. My friend's up on stage. And then after a while, if that's actually just what you do, that sort of melts away because it's not a novelty anymore. So you you spend like 90% of your time with comics. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's fun, whether it's about something that's happening in the news or something that's happening in comedy, or just if I'm in the studio, just sort of screwing around on the mic with them, it's a chance to sort of talk to them in a way where we don't actually get to that often, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe bring people inside the green room a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because usually you're hanging out with comics. It's sort of like you're prepping your set in your head or you're like producing the show or you're just catching up on just the gossip from the community that week or whatever it is. So this is a chance to just sort of like brew up a pot of coffee and bring listeners inside us just sort of hanging out and sort of peeling back the layers of we're not on stage right now, you know? Who is your favorite uh, person you interviewed so far? Uh, I always like talking to, I mentioned Darren Frost, actually. Yes. I always like talking to him because, uh, and we've done we've done a few things together over the years. Frosty's a lot of fun because he's dark mm-hmm. and he's, I don't want to say bitter, <laughs> That's but you know what I mean? Like he- I he love doesn't, dark. Right? He yes. doesn't mince words. Like, yes. he'll just be like, yeah, you know what? 90% of the time, you're going to be eating a shit sandwich. Uh, but but it's weird. Like, he'll say all of this stuff where if I was brand new, it would probably just be like, oh, my God, turn away now. This mm-hmm. is horrible. Why am mm-hmm. I going to try to do this with mm-hmm. my life? But then once you get into it for a few years, he, he says all that stuff that actually makes me feel invigorated at the end of it. Just mm-hmm. makes me see it in a new light and just go like, yeah, this is worth it. This is worth the fight. You know, when you talk to somebody like that who's seen bad and good, he's he's dealt with the worst hecklers and he's had horrible gigs and great gigs and, you know, tapings and galas that he was proud of and he's at other places that he can't do anymore and all this stuff he'll tell you yourself and he said on, on my show. And he's had all these huge milestones 25 years in and at that point, he still has stuff that he wants to do and wants to try and he still he still has that fight to just try and mm-hmm. conquer whatever that is within that makes you get up and do this. So talking to guys like that is great. Uh, Ron James was a good one too, mm-hmm. actually, because I think the I think the preconceived notion about him uh, that I think most of us Canadians have, and even I did a little bit for sure, even as a comic, is just like, you know him as the CBC sitcom yeah. guy, and he's, you know, yeah. seems like he'd be a squeaky clean, oh, geez, kind of a guy, and that he w- wouldn't really know what it's like to be on the road anymore and stuff like that, which is so not true. You know, he mm-hmm. just, he, when he was in our studio, he had just come back doing another tour, and he was heading to Massey Hall to close it out, and it was, it was cool to actually see that side of him where it's like, even after this level of success, after this many years, at the end of the day, 
just a comic who loves doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool to see like what makes them tick and why they still do it. And and is it still the same for them now as it was at the beginning when they were hitting open mics 20, 30 years ago? Mm-hmm. And when you find out that, yeah, it's still there still is that bug inside them, it's just like, okay, then this 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 makes sense. This is worth it, you know? That was a great interview with Ron James, by the way, Dean. Thanks. Excellent job. And, I, you know, I could imagine when you're dealing with an icon like that, um, you know, your challenge and you're a young guy and you're looking up, you know, and you've done a great job. And one thing Ron was talking about, and I've, I've had comics talk about the Bill C-51. Yeah. Um, and he's really concerned about the freedom of speech on that. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That was actually surprising to me too. Yes. Like, he, he, you know, he says some political stuff, certainly on the stage and he did on the Ron James show and he, and he did on his, even on his social media and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But he really, really is getting into that a lot lately. And it, cause he's just concerned about that mm-hmm. and what it, what it means for, for everything trickling down for, you know, political rights, maybe and freedom of speech and all that. Mm-hmm. So again, it's cool to see some, somebody who had the CBC machine behind him and has all, had all that. He is one of those household comics I was mentioning. Yeah. Like every Canadian knows who he is and mm-hmm. he's a big has following. Him and, yeah. yeah. He has a huge following and he's sort of a, he's one of those first names that pops into your head when you do think of Canadian comedy. Mm-hmm. Right. And to see him after all of that time actually still have some sort of an ax to grind and something that's important to him that he's passionate about that he wants to use the microphone to get out there and say, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, everybody, there's so many different kinds of comedy and there's so many different kinds of stand-up and sketch and improv and blah, 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 blah. You know, we can talk about that all day. But at the end of the day, one of the most beautiful things about it is we have this weird job where we actually get to go up on stage on a mic or on a radio mic like this and sort of say things that other people don't get the freedom to mm-hmm. say, right? And we get to sort of peel back the layers and, you know, you can make a scary thing less scary or a stupid thing more stupid. You get to sort of poke holes in those weird walls in society that everybody else at home may be thinking about, That's but right. they don't have a platform to do it, right? Right. And we can get away with certain things sometimes that other people can't because it's something we hope at the end of the day that people sort of could use a laugh out of. Mm-hmm. So to hear a guy at that level just go like, no, 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 this is pissing me off. <laughs> I'm going to use my time on stage to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's great because he's not being washed down by anyone. He's not being boarded up. You know, it's yeah. cool. It's a good platform. We, you're right. Yeah. It, very well said, by the way. We do have that joy of social commentary. Now with social media, though, everybody could say anything about anything. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. we've been, I know that was one thing I was talking about Mark Breslin because he said, you know, what he did came about from the 60s and people wanting to say stuff. Yeah. And they had the stage now to do it. And we get that in social media as well. Um, and so how do you see social media playing into all this and to what you do? And I mean, you, I see you on there. You're very committed. And I guess you have to be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a spam artist for sure. <laughs> no, it's good. It keeps... You front of mind, we know in radio frequency, yeah. right? Oh, for sure. It's all about frequency. Yeah. And it's it's a weird thing as a comic who's also producing stuff. It's like you constantly have to be, you know, tweeting that stuff out and Facebooking it out and promoting and all that. But then you have to remember every once in a while to like, okay, this is my comedy page. People are following me for this reason. I have to mm-hmm. make sure I include a joke in there once in a while <laughs> or a tweet with some actual comedy and it not just like promotion all the time. Good point. That's a great point, uh, right? by the way. And, yeah. and it's funny because I've talked to a lot of comics about that before. They're just, you know, even sitting around in our studio, they'll just be like, oh, all my tweets this week were just show Ditching? tweets. Oh, know, show retweets tweets. of shows that yeah. I was on and lists of comics, Twitter handles and stuff like that. I got to remember to put jokes in there. I think it's a double-edged sword. Like, it puts so much access to the public at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. It's so great for advertising. It, it 
it's so great for getting people out to shows and especially for all this online stuff, like for listening to podcasts and watching mm -hmm. web series and all this stuff that, that comics are involved in now. Um, but it's a double-edged sword because actually Sarah Silverman said this the best, I think. I, I always love this. She said this a few years ago. She said, you know, as soon as the, the YouTube generation started happening, it changed comedy in a lot of ways because those days of going out with a new, let's say, 20-minute set, right, and just honing it and polishing it and doing mm -hmm. it at this club for two nights and then doing it at this venue. And the only way for people to know about it was to see it live and then six months later hear it on an album, album maybe or see it on TV. Those days are sort of gone a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, because even though clubs are always like, you know, don't film and stuff like that, it just stuff gets out there. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you do something on stage or especially online, if you do something in front of a microphone or a camera, it's just out there in the ether forever. Yeah. So it's sort of like you, you never had a chance to sort of test if it was seaworthy, right? It just gets out there and then it's just content and it just exists. So everything's so yeah. immediate now. Great point. And like trending and stuff like that, like... Mm -hmm. Yesterday, everybody and their dog could be doing the ice bucket challenge and talking mm -hmm. about that. And today it's Ebola and tomorrow mm -hmm. it's Bruce Jenner. And the next day it's a flood somewhere. And the next day it's like a stupid sandwich that KFC just came up <laughs> with, right? It's just like everything comes and goes so fast. It's yeah. so crazy and it's so hard to keep up with. And I think now, especially as a comic, because like I'll be out doing a show and something's going on in the news or some stupid award show is happening or something. And I'll be like... Uh, I know that all everybody in comedy is like live tweeting this thing yes and just getting the best stuff out there right and getting all these late shows favoriting it and getting all these followers out of it and stuff like that and I'm like man by the time I get home it's gonna be done it's gonna be over with I'm missing that so yes. everything is like in the instant now and so immediate it's just crazy so it's it's exciting and it's and it's useful to us but it's mm -hmm. also it's tricky to keep up with too mm -hmm. and, it, and, and it really you can shoot yourself in the foot with it too you know change things a lot yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just asking a door. <laughs> great it's thing about podcasts is like, is it great? <laughs> but because we come from a radio background, do you yeah. find with because everything's so clean and crisp and perfect on radio? Yeah. Do you find because a podcast is so casual, right? It is, and it's it's funny. I was at like they do PodCamp TO. They do nice. these in cities all over the place, but it's just like a podcast summit. And I was there, and there were these guys on this panel talking about like it's podcasting. It could be messy. It's fine. You record it on your phone. Even doesn't matter. Right. Which is true, but then in the network, like we have a studio, so I I think just coming from radio and yes. just watching Earwolf and Nerdist and stuff like that, I'm just like, okay, I like that polished studio setting. Yeah, it's nice to bring guests in and all that. I that's important to me. Uh, but it's funny because it it is podcasts are just raw. Right. So if something ha like there's not really any editing, you know. Yes. Unless somebody says something really bad and comes up to you afterwards, they're like, can you take that person's name out of yeah. there? Can you take that swear out of there? Yeah. Or whatever it is. But yeah, it's just it just is what it is, and it's raw. Maybe that's uh, the beauty of it, though, right? Because that's what radio used to be. Right. You know what? Right. Great point. That's all it, it is. Radio, but right, exactly. Yeah. It was a, just a free. The jocks would go on, play their own music, and off you. Oh went. man, yeah, yeah. Which like especially the play your own music like that never right? happens. Like now, if you're a radio host, and it's funny because we were talking about this this morning too. But now, if you're a radio host, basically your job is to like plug things for two minutes and get to the next song break or get to the next traffic mm -hmm. report or get to the next commercial set and that's packaged it. everything's packaged everything's up. packaged yeah so it's that's what i love about podcasting because it's sort of every it, yes it's this new thing and it is still in its infancy but at the same time it really at the end of the day it's just sort of like why we fell in love with radio you mm -hmm. know it's just going back to the roots of radio that's mm -hmm. all it is um, a couple of years. Let's talk about your stand up now. Mm -hmm. There's so many facets to you. I mean, I could be here all day talking about <laughs> all this stuff. 
Mr. Ambition over here, um, which is is so nice and refreshing. I, and I honestly don't know how, where you find the time because social media is in the instant, like you said. Yeah. And with what you're doing, you have to be there, right? Like you have to be yeah. on talking about, you know, whatever. The yeah, latest whatever's story. going on. Uh, your comedy, uh, I love. It's young, oh, it's fresh, it's different. And I remember um, when I booked you in my little show a couple of years ago, my nephews were there who were in their late 20s and they just loved you. Oh, good. They got you, your Walmart bit. And I don't know if you're still doing that Walmart bit. The Walmart bit, bit I ha- oh man, I hadn't done that in forever actually, like probably since around then. Because I think that show was around the time when I did the iChannel thing. It was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was in there. Yeah. Yeah, And yeah, 2012. And I hadn't, uh, I hadn't done that since around then. And then when I was in Hawaii last December, I thought the second night I was there, I thought, well, I'm in the States, so I'll dust that one off. So it's kind of fun actually. Cause I was like, I wonder if I'm even going to remember this or like write new tags for it and stuff. But yeah, that's funny. Um, Sorry. Just about what you just said. I always Mm -hmm. like uh, asking comics about this because as you know, like Louis CK, who likes in January will always change his material. Like yeah. Like he used to use the same material for 10 years. And then he said, no, now every year I change it. And I think there's another big one who's known for doing that. Um, do you feel like, and I compare it to a dress with women, you don't wear the same dress twice. Like, yeah. <laughs> so you said, cause you were in the States, nobody would have known that joke. That's why you used it. Um, do you, do you watch that sort of thing with your material that you kind won't regurgitate? Of, yeah. Kind of like, I guess I get, I don't know. I get sick of stuff after a certain mm. point. Mm. And I think it comes from like hosting, hosting my own shows, especially because when you're hosting and it's your own room, especially like with a weekly show, mm-hmm. you know, it's a totally yeah. different thing. It's just sort of like, yeah, this is a comedy gym and people are working on stuff. So that's sort I of. I love that. Did you right? say comedy gym? Comedy gym. Yeah. Look at you. Right. Mr. Writer you coming up with something. And... So lo- love, love, love. Yes. <laughs> comedy gym. We're going to, I'm ripping that right yeah, out. Sweet. Yeah. And well, I'm going to edit this part out, by the way. Coin uh, that. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. It, I'm that's what rip it is, that, though. Yeah. That's what it is. I Comedy love it. gym, working it out. Love it. Go. Yeah. That's yeah. what we do. And it, it's nice for writing because, like, even my even my weekly show that I host, that's when I'll sort of just do new stuff, right? Brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. And whatever comes out of that, then I'll go, like, okay, what am I actually going to keep and polish up and do it at other shows? Mm-hmm. And I sort of try and have like a new 20 minutes. Maybe like every five, six months-ish ballpark, right? That I'll go for like bigger shows and stuff like that, that comes out of that. And it's funny now, like I used to sit down and write just like pages of stuff. Like I would sit there and go like, I'm going to write a joke now. I'm going to write a set. And I would just write this big long thing and try and commit it to memory and go and do it at shows. Now I find everything's just sort of like, maybe because so much of my stuff is just autobiographical. It's like whatever is happening in in my life because- 20s and 30s, your life changes a lot with all the big life stuff, right? So maybe that'll be different five, 10 years from now. I don't know. But now I notice I'm just sort of like, everything in my brain is just like a hashtag. It's just like a quick point. (laughs) That's all it is, you know? So I'll just be like- I love 31. Dog boners. And then it'll turn into a thing. Or like, it's, it's just funny like how, I guess your brain gets more and more in tune with that because I'll be out like on a radio show or something or- or just something I did on Twitter and all of a sudden it'll make me think of like a nugget of like one joke or one tag to something that I already was doing. Right. And then it'll spin off into this whole new thing. Okay. Is that, and I asked you uh, on a message to you once too, is that, because I'm always trying to get to root because I'm an old hag and I'm on the setup and punch thing. Is that alt comedy from my understanding? Because you mentioned Sarah Silverman and, mm-hmm. and under some people say that she is alt, alternative comedy. And then what you're talking about, I, 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 as my understanding is that's considered alt comedy. Possibly, yeah. where you just kind of stream and go with it. Like the stream of consciousness yeah. thing? Yeah, is that? A- uh, there's a lot of people doing that for sure. I think, 
I don't know. I think like alt comedy, maybe like, you know, a decade or so ago was describing a lot of these new comics that were coming up and a lot of the people that were in the writer's rooms on like these weird sketch shows, like, you know, Mr. Show with Bob and Dave and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, that long sort of stream of consciousness. Chris Dahlia does it. Yeah. Like there's comics who go out and just completely just riff with the audience. Mm -hmm. Like there's comics who are like almost 100% crowd work comics Mm -hmm. and they're brilliant at it. And I've always loved that because I was, you know, like I was, I'm, I'm, I'm a writer. I was Mm -hmm. a writer for other people for years and that's how I got into it. And that's how my brain works. And that's how it always will. So there's so many of these great comics, even like here in Canada, like here in Toronto, like Dave Mahaj, Alex Pavone, Sandra Badalini, like these Mm -hmm. people are incredible with just going to a show and they might have, I'm sure they have their set list of what they want to do that night or whatever new stuff they want to work on. But depending on what's going on in the room, they might just go and just like rip on the crowd for 20 minutes and just talk about what's going on at that show mm-hmm. and just kill. Mm-hmm. And that's just brilliant. Kill. I love that. I love that because yeah. that's, that's the comedian's brain you're mm-hmm. watching right there happen. So everybody has sort of their own writing style, mm-hmm. you know, and it always drives me nuts when comics say, well, like, well, I can't write. And it's like, well, no, you can actually, because otherwise you wouldn't be doing this. If you weren't a comedy writer at heart, if you didn't have those gears inside you, you would have fallen off the bone I know after what a week saying. of open mics, Yeah, right? but you, because you have that writing background from radio, you know yeah. how to write in third person. You could, like, I, I'm an old woman, 40, so writing for me you know, that take, you have to get in my mind to write for me. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I see what they're saying. Right. So you have a skill. And I think that's what I want to touch on because you're talking about those comics who can do that. I, I don't think people understand the audience doesn't always understand with comedy. There's different strengths as there is. For sure. Yeah. Right. And so those, those comics who can do that yeah. is completely, not all comics can do that. There's some who can't go off set. Right. Yeah. Which is, oh my God. And I remember, especially when I started out, I think that was the biggest set of training wheels that I had to mm-hmm. come off, especially coming from being a writer. Cause the whole reason I got into this was because, you know, I've been writing comedy bits for radio jocks for years and I'd go on the air and do characters and stuff like that. And after a certain point, I just went, well, it doesn't make sense to be a comedy writer and not at least try stand up. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause all the comedy writers I loved all do that and it just makes sense. So that's how I got into it. But yeah, it's interesting to see like, how people can actually just abandon that and just go up there and completely mm-hmm. just in the moment, just riff. And just, it's amazing to me. I love watching it because that's not where I come from. But that was, yeah, that was one of the scariest things early on mm-hmm. was if I had, you know, let's say I was doing five minutes mm-hmm. at whatever and I was brand, brand new, your set list would be like chiseled into the back yeah. of your brain. Yep. And there was no deviating from that. Mm-hmm. So if there was a heckler over here or if, you wanted to riff on something the comic before you just said, mm-hmm. there was none of that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you just basically went up there and spewed this memorized <laughs> yeah, speech almost, yes, right? Yes. And just didn't even wait for the punchlines just yes. or the laughs, just like go, go, go and get through it. That was the scariest thing. So once you learn how to sort of like be organic and fluid mm-hmm. with it, because that's what it's supposed to be. Stand-up is just jazz, right? It's mm-hmm. just like another one of these weird North American art forms that just came out of God knows what, just mm-hmm. out of the muck, right? So as soon as you learn how to sort of be fluid with it and organic and go in the moment with it, that's when you're on your way, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was like, that's when I started feeling like, okay, now everything's clicking together. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I'll always be a writer and yes, that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. But that's not a crutch for me anymore. That's just like, that's just my own personal bent on it. That's my own personal background and that's my own flavor and my own voice. Mm -hmm. 
but it's nice to be able to go out there and just like roll with whatever's happening. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those are my favorite sets. Sometimes those are the most fun, right? Right. And then sometimes out of that, you'll come up with all new stuff too. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's just me that's doing that. Maybe when these people who are like known as crowd work comics, yeah. maybe they just go and do that and live in the moment and that's it. That's a rare, unique thing that just happened in that show and mm -hmm. the, the next night it'll be completely different. Whereas for me, when I get to do that and I just go and completely abandon my set list on mm -hmm. those nights and just go, I'm just going to roll with whatever's happening tonight and just have fun with it. I always leave those shows with like all these notes in my head. Just mm -hmm. like, oh man, okay, this is a this new work. Joke. This it's is like workshopping material live, right? It totally is. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, which at first that would have been such a terrifying thing to me. Mm -hmm. But now it's so much fun. There's actually, there's this show at uh, Comedy Bar and there's a podcast version of it that we picked up too. It's called The Game. And there's a show that's similar to it in Vancouver they're doing too uh, called The Bucket Show. But basically this show is people in the crowd will throw suggestions into a bucket and you go up and you do like your seven minute set and that's that's what you're doing jokes about. You pull the suggestion it's improv, out of it. Yeah. It's completely improv. And oh most of the improv I'd ever done was on radio stuff and on podcasts. Mm -hmm. So it sounds kind of like a terrifying idea, but actually I find it so much fun. Is it liberating? Are you just it totally like, you is liberating? Go, right? It's yeah. so much fun, and I mean, part of it is the crowd knows what they're there to watch. Mm -hmm. So some comics, even the, you know, great comics, will go up there and just bomb on a joke sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's fun too because you're you're just that's that's maybe that sort of alt thing where you're getting the, this younger crowd that's just like I want to see this comic just come up with stuff. I want to see something be born right here on stage mm -hmm. right now. So it's fun for the crowd and it's fun for the comic. No, go ahead. Yeah, it just it's just cool to just have that like bumps you new idea just explode right there. Mm -hmm. And some of them you look at and just go, Well, this is too broad. I can't do anything with this, you know. Do you like, do you do that? You oh yeah. Like, if you yeah, go up there pass. And, it's yeah. like a board game, right? right? You're just like, no, I pass. Because like, if you go up there and it's just like <laughs> the piece of paper just says religion on it, well, like, okay, well that's yeah, that's a six hour podcast. That's yeah. not a seven minute set. Like, right. what is that? That's so broad. How do you even start trimming the marble off of that. Yeah. But yeah, it's so much fun. It's just fun to just some nights just abandon everything that you went there to do and just completely roll with it and see what comes out of that. Because mm -hmm. I mean, we're all going to have nights where we bomb anyways. It's just a law of averages. Once in a blue moon, it's going to happen. And for me, like I can't speak for anybody else. I feel like on those nights where that happens, and maybe not like completely crash and burn bomb, but even just a night where it just didn't click, right? Mm -hmm. Where it was like a so-so set or a bad set. Most of the times I look back at those, I kind of put it on myself because mm -hmm. I always feel like those are the shows where I go in there just thinking like, this doesn't matter. I got this. Mm -hmm. Right? If you don't have like, f again, just for me, but if I don't have those sort of pangs in my stomach, mm -hmm. if I'm not invested in it, if mm -hmm. I'm not there before I get up on stage, like running the gears through my head and just mm -hmm. eight miling my stuff in my head, if if I just feel like, eh, whatever, I'll just coast through this. I got yes. this. That's sort of like when you lose float, right? That's yes. when you start going under. So I always feel like those are those well, deer in the headlights moments, right? Yeah. I feel sure. like, and th and that's a cool thing about talking to comics who've been at this for so many years and who have had moderate to huge success. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, even in Canada to actually like see that, that even those guys, when they go out, whatever the show is in between on tour, it could be just some dive bar that they're showing up and doing seven minutes in, or it could be mm -hmm. at a huge venue, whatever it is to see that they're still invested in it. To see that they're still approaching it the same way that they would have first starting out. You yeah. Know? There's still that electricity there. Because I think if you lose that, if you lose that spark, as cliche as it probably sounds, I think that's when it's just like, all right, it's time to call it a day. Right. Know? Yeah. You got to have that energy to it. You got to have that nervousness, I feel like. 
That's yeah, nervous energy just to just yeah. go with it. Yeah. yeah, you have to just care about what you're doing. Right. You know? And you think do you think do you think it gets lost? Is that what you're saying? Or Yeah, I just feel like I, that's why I think it's important for for people to always be be writing or or just oh, be yeah, you know, stay fresh. Yeah. Stay fresh. Like I think if you're going out for twenty years and doing the same 15, 20 minutes that you've been doing forever, mm-hmm. you know, and just this after a certain point, it just becomes this shellacked veneer of just yeah. this polished thing that no one can break through. It's just sort of like, oh yeah, you know, it's like uncle jokes <laughs> at a yeah. dinner at some point, right? <laughs> so it's cool to see these comics just constantly sort of reinventing themselves and constantly working at it and just going at it with the same approach that they did maybe when they started out. I feel like any single night you go out, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the show is, could be big or small. Mm-hmm. Never just cast it aside as like, oh, this is whatever show. Mm-hmm. Well, even if it's like some open mic or whatever it is, if you didn't care about doing it, then why are you doing that five minutes of stage time? Right. Why are you there? Right. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then then you don't need it and the show doesn't need it and that's fine. But Because every, every single time you go up to that mic could be your best set that week or it could be your worst, you know? Mm-hmm. It's all just what you do with it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the crowd hands you stuff that you can't, you know... Sometimes there's rowdy shows or yeah. sometimes there's whatever. Those happen. And some, every once in a while, you're going to bomb. Like I said, that's whatever. But most of the time, it's up to you to figure out, like, what am I going to do with my time on stage? Mm-hmm. What is it for me? What, what can I use that for? How is this going to change me as a comic? And what am I going to give to the audience? You know? I like that. Uh, you mentioned some comics earlier who I definitely want to go see if they're crowd comics. I have to. Yeah. I love it. Uh, who's in your comic tribe? And I know you have a lengthy list because of your network, but yeah. who's in your tribe? Who's in my tribe? Who are some of my favorites? Peeps. Uh, I, I mean, most Not necessarily of, favorites, just people you hang with, People I hang out with. Yeah. Uh, definitely the people who are on the network. Mm-hmm. A lot of those were on there because... Not just from nepotism, but because, you know, it's just people yeah, I work with and to, friends yeah. of mine and stuff like that. Um, Jarrett Campbell's one of the Rude Dudes guys. He's somebody that's that I'm very close with. And uh, Allison Dorr from Sirius, she's she's a great friend of mine. I always love working with her. I always How love, about your fiancé? We didn't even talk she about She absolutely that. is, yeah. We met because of comedy. Yes, that's I love happened. that. That's probably the best story. thing that ever happened out of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was sort of like drink tickets, drink tickets, drink tickets, <laughs> 50 bucks, a couple hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, fiance, drink tickets. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do rapid fire. All right, let's do it. And that's why I wouldn't let you say who your favorites are because it's right here. Greatest comic influence or inspiration? Patton Oswalt's my guy for sure. Yeah. And it's funny because this year a lot of people were like, a few comics were like, really, is is he our spokesman? Because he went and did this 53 tweets thing in defense of the new um, Daily Show host and which I thought was brilliant. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm biased though because I love I love Patton. But yeah, stand up wise, that's that's my guy for sure. Maybe because of writing, he mm-hmm. just he has this layered just storytelling thing where just like he paints such a picture mm-hmm. with every word that he's putting out there, and I love it. It's so literary. I, that's maybe where I come from. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my guy. Favorite late night host. Letterman. I know. Letterman. I know it's timely because he just went off the air last week. <sighs> we just appreciate him so that much more. We I think he's a comics like. Everybody, a comics seem just He like totally him. is. And I watched that Norm clip where Norm Macdonald went on there and told, he told the first David Letterman joke he saw when he was like 13 years oh, old. yeah. And he went up there and he was like, he was like bawling and stuff. And I was like, I watched that thing like eight times that weekend. It was over the May long weekend. And I was just like, I was getting all choked up. And my fiance, she was just like, okay, you're going to watch that thing again. <laughs> Cause I loved it. And I've, t- I've told this story before, but I always remember the first time my mom kept me up late to watch Letterman. 
And and Paul yeah. Schaefer on there, he was he's from Thunder Bay. Right. My aunt beat him oh, at a piano right. recital one oh. time. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's mainly the reason why right. my parents watched. They were like, yeah, hey, Paul's on there. Yeah. That's cool. But I remember my mom keeping me up to watch Letterman the first time. And I remember her saying he was in a bad mood, right? And this is like, I don't know, 20 years ago anyways. Right. So he wasn't like a crotchety old man yet. He yeah. was just in a bad mood that yeah. night. And I remember my mom in the monologue, my mom being like, oh, Dave's in a bad mood. You can always tell Dave's in a bad mood because he's real, which I always wow. thought, even then I felt like that's, wow, that's pretty cool. Interesting. You don't get that from Leno. Right. <laughs> right. That's a dump. But yeah, that's Letterman. Letterman's my guy for sure. As far as Letterman. Late, late shows. Favorite joke, yours or someone else's? Uh, of all time, I don't know. I, I think of recent years mm -hmm. and this joke isn't even that new. Um... And it's not really, it's like a long storytelling thing, so I guess I can't really tell it. But just uh, this this uh, uh, Dylan Moran, this Irish comic, has this great joke about the French. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's where the phrase uh, cheese-eating surrender monkeys came from <laughs> that the Simpsons picked up. Because he says that oh, in really? that joke. Yeah, and I didn't, like I knew about Dylan Moran and I'd, he's in like some British movies and stuff like that and I'd seen a little bit of his stand-up. But yeah, there's just, it's like this seven-minute long thing. Just this joke about the French, Parisian French, not French Canadians, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but just talking, just like the picture, again, the picture that he paints of just like them walking around naked and just like, can I do swears on here or no? Yeah, sure. Just like fucking each other's brains out, right? And just <laughs> chain smoking and eating cheese and chocolate for every meal and just painting pictures of each other and then slashing them apart because they're fighting. They're like, fuck you, your art is shit. <laughs> I don't know. He just had this great joke about the French and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. And it just resonates. Because you just picture this whole scene. That's, you know, yeah. you just chew on the scenery. It's great. See, it's our radio theater of the mind background. Yeah, and right? it totally is. And actually, I want to, I'm wondering about that now, the cheese eating surrender monkey. Because I've, <laughs> I've heard that phrase before. Or we might maybe we'll get in trouble from France, but I've heard that phrase before. I always thought that was from the Simpsons. Adam's laughing. Adam's twenty six. Right? You guys are so. Are you, do yeah. you agree, Adam? You could speak. I think it's Simpsons. You think it's, it's Simpsons? Totally, yeah, because he was, or maybe he used that on there. I don't know, but he, yeah. I remember he said that in there. But yeah, that's that's a great bit. <laughs> um, and and recently, uh, if I can throw a second one in there, mm. uh, there's this younger LA comic Johnny Pemberton. I saw him open uh, for Tignataro at uh, JFL forty two this last year. <gasps> Tignataro. I love her. She was yes. my favorite. That, that's that was last year. That was the one where I was like, okay, really? Tig's my favorite show. I want to go see. She you got an interview with her. Sister's coming with you. Oh man, that would be huge. We I just would, missed her. You know, she was just in town for the yeah. And actually, and doc, John Dor, Allison Dor's brother, was on uh, Conan with her, and they were doing like this deconstruction of um, was it Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Yeah, oh, it was great. I would have like this fairy yeah. tale. Yeah, it was so good. I check that out. Okay. But so I saw Tig at JFL forty two, and she had this this younger, this newer uh, LA comic Johnny Pemberton open for, her. and he did he did this bit about uh, what's the Santana and Rob Thomas song? Do you know uh, what is smooth, yeah, smooth? Yeah, smooth. Yeah. He, I don't know why he did this bit about the song smooth, and he's like talking about how it's his favorite song, and he jams out to it in his cubicle in his office. <laughs> And just, it's so physical and like the way he's just like walking around on the stage, just like air guitar and cause he's like this tiny little guy. I don't know. It was brilliant. That was, that was one of my favorite moments actually at JFL 42 last year. Oh, that so was. I say smooth by Johnny Pemberton. That was great. Out of, it's interesting what, it, what resonates, right? Yeah. What sticks. But right. with me, it seems to be always just that like. Small. Yeah. Where yeah. they're like painting a picture. I don't know why. You're a writer. Yeah. Uh, who'd you rather open up for? I thought it was just going to be a who would you rather. Right. That's why I started that way. Because now your mind so just went two different ways. so many people in comedy, yeah. yeah. Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Um, who would I rather Guys always pick Sarah Silverman. I know. That's, Crush, yeah. Crushing on Sarah. She's awesome. That's a though. gimmick. Or a given. A gimmick. Well, that's a given. 
I mean, well, every female comic. I'm just like, comics are sexy. Um, yeah, who would I rather open up for? Yeah. Out of who do I have a choice? Well, or? I usually give a choice, but okay. then I found some comics like don't can't I can't narrow them down. They just they yeah. they go offside, so I don't even give them two anymore. Uh, well, okay, I, I'm gonna give you Jim Gaffigan or Bill Burr. Hmm. I think I would like to for Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. Only because I've well, a I feel like I would have more of a chance with his crowd <laughs> because people are yes. would be maybe more receptive. Because if you're opening for Bill Burr, especially oh right now, you're just no one there cares. That's when yeah. they're going to go have a smoke, right? Right. Who cares? It's all about Bill, baby. Yeah. JFL this year, baby. Yeah. I can't right. Wait. They're just yeah. going to like I don't give a shit who this kid is, yeah. and I don't blame them. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. I feel like if I was opening up for Gaff again, like You'd down have a chance. At, yeah, people sit stay like, through it. Not, yeah. yeah, upstate New York or something. Just like <laughs> oh, this is nice. We'll give this kid a chance. It yeah. feels like his crowd would be more like that. I mean, they both be great. And okay. if I could pick anybody, then yeah, I guess I would say Patton. Oh yeah, you again know, Patton. Yeah. You no, know, K. Trav got to do that, so whatever. So. Bucket list gig or venue? Bucket list gig or venue? Like the ultimate who? Yeah. Who, would, who would you open for? Who would you open for you? What venue? Vegas? What are we talking about? Like Hollywood? LA, I would whatever. just love to do. I would just love to do one of the big late shows. I mean, I think that's every oh. comic, obviously. But I mean, just surprisingly, I don't get that. Really? I, no, I don't get that. I much. just. I mean, I think maybe just because that's so much of what I watched growing up, mm-hmm. and I don't even know how much that flavors me as a comic. Really, it's just that's what I grew up watching. Um, late show or SNL. And I, you know, I touted the SNL line for years. I was always Mm. such a staunch defender of it and it's 40 years in. And I don't think the cast is that great right now. There's some really strong ones, of course. Uh, I don't think the writing isn't there right now. And that's cyclical on that show though. Yeah, Yeah, but exactly. They have those periods, but it's just such an institution. Like there's no one really working in comedy today who remembers a time when SNL didn't exist? Mm. Like maybe when they were little kids, Great some of point. these people, but right. you know what I mean? Like SNL yep. has been a constant for 40 years. Right. So to be able to go up on that stage, that's like for us in comedy, that's like our grand old Opry. Yeah. You know, like that's that stage where you're like, I'm at the rhyming, baby. <laughs> you're from Tender Bay, aren't you? No, you for sure. Yeah. People are going to be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Too many records I in my grandpa's basement. I thought you were going to say some big stadium, like, you know, whatever. No, for me, that is it. ABC, yeah, like yeah. Madison Square Garden. Yeah. No, Grand, <laughs> Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, getting up on the late show stage, man. And like yeah. some, you know, there's been a few Toronto comics lately who have gone and done Conan and stuff, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Like Mark Little and DJ Demers just mm-hmm. both went and did Conan and... That's that's massive. I always love seeing that. Mm. Obviously, I always I'm like I wish it was me. I but know. that's you know maybe that's years down the road or not at all. But it's cool to see. And radio wise, this is going to be a geeky one. Maybe even worse than me mentioning the Grand Ole Opry <laughs> just now. I got to be the first person on your show who's ever done that. What? Mention the Grand Ole Opry? Oh Opry yeah, you <laughs> probably win. forever. You win. Yeah. <laughs> no one will ever want to. Uh, I, I, there's this radio show called A Prairie Home Companion. Have you heard of that? <laughs> you just keep going, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to do that. And it's like this show in Minnesota where they do like farm reports and shit. I don't know why. But you got to put that on your network. I do. Yeah. I wanted, I just want to go do one of those farmer, shows. Yeah. And I've told this to other comics and they're just like, what is that? I have no idea. I don't, that doesn't sound Neither good to me at all. That's horrible. I love you. So I would there. love to That's do That's what it. makes you special. Oh, well, special. Yeah. Taco.co. That's right. And when's your next kitsch comedy? Tonight. Oh, well, yeah, every Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Six weeks from now. Tonight doesn't matter. Every Thursday, kitsch. Every Thursday. Yeah, okay. It's at, at Comedy Bar? 
No, Kitsch is at uh, Kitsch Bar at yeah. uh, Dufferin and DuPont, but... You do so many shows, can't keep track. Uh, we do yeah. do stuff at Comedy Bar, and depending when this uh, depending when this comes out, our next live talk hole show at Comedy Bar is Friday, June 26th. Mm-hmm. That's a live episode of um, one of our shows called Lonely Nights, which mm-hmm. is a lot of fun, actually, because we do that one entirely in character. Oh, and it. normally the way it works is like, we used to do it over Skype. It's this guy, Bruce Douglas's show. We used to do it over Skype, which was fun. Basically, we, he would drop me a message like five minutes before we recorded. He'd be like, hey, who are you being? And I would make up a character and then he'd be like, roll the tape. And we do it over Skype. Awesome. And now we kind of do that in studio. So we're going to do it live at Comedy Bar. So we're going to have uh, we're gonna have a local comic open, Mikey Kohlberg. He's one of the Chuckle Co-Comics. They're mm-hmm. like an in-house comedy show there at Comedy Bar. So he's going to open it up. And then there's going to be four of us on the stage, all in character. So I'm actually doing a couple of characters that night. And one of them... One of them, actually, my fiance hates because it's this guy named uh, Vito Scheinberg. He's Toronto's porn king, and he's this greasy old porn producer, and he's going to be giving out fleshlights to the crowd. And yeah, Kim, my fiance, hates that character, especially when I do it at home. So yeah, uh, Lonely Nights is our next one, Friday, June 26th at Comedy Bar. We do those usually the last Friday of the month. Well, Dean, I'm so proud of you. Keep it up. Thank you so much. Thanks for what you're doing for the comedy world. It's always good to promote other comics and let's support each other That's and right. get each other's back, right? No one's going to do it for us. Right. Because this is Canada. <laughs> we got to do it true. ourselves. That's right. Thank you, Dean Young. Thank you. That was so much fun. And here we roll the credits. Host, Sandra Carusi. Research assistant, Dayton, going to be a star hail. Contributor, Christine Radio Star Cardoso. Studio producer, Adam, no pants, Zizzo. Executive producer, Vince, leave the gun and take the cannoli Negro.